so this morning, now to the main point. Main point. So if you would open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 8, we're going to look at that. Over the last few weeks, as we've been looking at, we looked at how Jesus is doing now, what his role is now in heaven, and he is in heaven as our great high priest. He just isn't sitting and doing nothing, so he's, he's doing something going there. We also talked about that is in our last few weeks, we've talked about Jesus as our high priest, and that he's 100% divine and 100% man, human. And so therefore, we had a picture of God. You can go back and look at our uh, website and pick up those messages there, if you're willing. By the way, we welcome everyone who's watching online, live right now. We're glad that you could join us, and uh, please do let us know if you are there where you are and where you're from and we would be happy to communicate with you and delight okay have you found hebrews chapter 8 if you look there in chapter 8 uh, we're going to begin with the very first verse now the main point finally getting there now the main point chapters 1 through 7 have been leading us to this moment have been leading us to this point so all the things that we've been honoring before all the things that he's laid out for us before are leading us to the main point point. and he says and the main point of what we are saying is this we do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty of heaven and who serves in the sanctuary the true tabernacle set up by the lord not by mere human beings not by human being. The main point, the main point, don't, don't go running off, is that we have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand in heaven and that he is there ministering in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle that God built, not humans. So it's not this one that we're talking about here that it was in the desert. We're not talking about that one. We're talking about the heavenly one. There's one in heaven. A lot of folks don't understand that there is that sanctuary that they took around in the desert was a pattern after the one who was in heaven. And there are a lot of questions about that. We shall look at more at that in a moment. So verse 3, every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. So when Jesus came and offered his gifts that he offered was his own sacrifice upon the cross. That's what he had. That was his sacrifice. Verse 4, if he were here on earth, he would not be a priest, because he's not of the tribe of Levi, who offered the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy or in a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. And we take it, and it's, he's talking about the one that was out in the wilderness. Now, when they built the one in Jerusalem, they made some modifications over it, but they basically kept it the same, same concept and idea. So he warned him, the Lord warned him, saying, See, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. Exodus 25, verse 40, it's being quoted there. To be patterned after the one is in heaven. Now, that may raise a lot of questions. It certainly does in my mind. And it would be a wonderful journey for us to do that at this time, to go and look and see what that means, but not today. That's not the main point. <laughs> we shall look at that down the line, so you'll have to, you know, come back and, and enjoy that. But that's not the main point. We want to deal with the main point today. 
So when you walk out of your note, that was it. This was the main point. But, verse 6, but in fact, the ministry of Jesus was received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he's a mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if it had been nothing, if there had been nothing wrong with the old one, with the first covenant, no place would be, uh, no place would uh, have been sought for another. So that raises questions. I should think, well, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What was wrong with the old one? If, you know, God gave it, they had made this agreement. What was wrong with the old one? Old one should work, wouldn't it? And why would these be better promises? Why would these be shared to us as, this is a better promise, this is a better thing, this is a better way? Is there something wrong with the law? You say, well, the law, was that the problem? Many people think, yes, there's a problem with the law. Was the problem but the Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect restoring the soul the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple so we say okay so there may be nothing wrong with the law but is something else new being introduced here something else that goes beyond what take place and back then that now is taking place now that is far different what is it that's making this change verse 8 but God found fault with the people he found fault with the people found fault with the first covenant the old covenant that they had found fault with it going on and he said and he's quoting here paul is quoting from jeremiah the days are coming declares the lord when i will make a new covenant with the people of israel and with the people of judah it will not be like the covenant i made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to the covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people now if you recall when moses came down from the mountain and brought the ten commandments god had written his law with his finger in stone you could read it you could see it we see it in our bible we see it printed there all the precepts there all ten precepts are there laws are there to follow they're laid right out there for you there they are they were written in stone but now the new covenant is coming along and he said i will put my law in their hearts and write them in their hearts it will be there in their minds i will be their god and they will be my people now this is rather fascinating because what's the difference well israel made very sure that they had the law printed so they could follow it and know every little precept and everything they were supposed to do in fact they had the mission and everything that were added to it the oral traditions so they would know exactly what laws to follow you had them all lined out to know exactly what they are and happen so um i was driving my car yesterday and as i was out driving my car um there was a car ahead of me, a couple cars ahead of me, driving 25 miles an hour in a 45. 
and I'm and I'm wondering, what in the world? Are they new? So you look at their license plate, and and you, uh, you look. Are they from out of state, or what? I don't know. I used to say, "Oh, it must be an old person." I don't say that anymore. <laughs> I don't say that anymore. But the law, the speed limit, given, has a specific reason, does it not? There's a specific reason why it is given as it is. That is, they take their measurements, they say, well, there's so much traffic, and go this far, go this fast, in order for all of us to proceed along safely. That's the idea, that, that you can go down the road safely and make that. When I was a kid and uh, younger and driving, I always thought if it said 45, that meant 55 to 60. Some of you still think that way, I know. Get buzzing right along. But the reason the law was written that way is so that we could all travel safely. Isn't that right? Now, I've been driving for over 10 years now since I got my license. It is over 10 years. It's over that. So as, as I'm driving, I have, been, have enough experience to kind of sense, sense inside of me what is safe for driving on that road. I can kind of say, well, this is a little bit too fast, or a little bit too slow. I kind of have learned kind of the pacing that needs to go. I used to cut down through my, um, when I was a kid and first teenager, I used to cut down through my neighborhood and got the reputation of the neighbors talking to my dad about being uh, hot-rodding up and down. I didn't know hot-rodding. I was just driving 45 and a 25. Was nothing, there was nobody there, nobody there, so it's fine. But now I drive through my neighborhood, it's a 25, I'm going a little under, because I know it's a little bit, you know, there's things that come out, and I, because there's a principle in my heart, I would hope by this time, that I would drive concerned about the safety of others as well. That I'm driving wisely, carefully, and I notice I don't get tickets that way. I don't know if I'm doing that. But, but I, I, I want to drive that way because something has been put in me now that I want to protect children. I want to protect property. I don't want to have my car damaged. And so I realize going, going that way. Here's a little clue. You know, I had somebody say to me years ago, if the thing that you're agitated about or doing is worthwhile 50 years from now, then you know it's a value. If it's only going to be a value for a few minutes or for a day, it probably isn't worth it. I thought that was good advice, don't you? If it's going to be a value 50 years from now, then that's worth fighting for. Well, you know, going, I see people passing me, they go shooting down the road, and I meet them at the next stoplight. You know, they, they get down there, and i nice to see you again. So, so the laws, the law, the law, I kind of sense as I'm driving how I want to be safe with those around me. So something more has taken place in my life in driving. Some would say maturity, maybe. But do, do you sense that? Do you see what I'm talking about? Okay, so I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. So 
The great principles about that, the great principles behind that are love God and love others. So that's what Jesus said was the new commandments. Well, they were there along the earth. They were there. They've always been there. Love to God, love to man. Love, to, uh, love God, love others. They've always been there, these great principles, of which all the Ten Commandments fit underneath them, their part. How do I love God? Well, I don't need to have the Ten Commandments there to say don't any make engraven images or any likeness. I don't need that commandment for me now because I do, don't do that because I love God and I know who he is. So even though the commandment's there, I have a greater overriding thing. I love God. I don't take his name in vain. Because I love him, I want to honor my God. So these principles, this idea of it being written in your heart, extends far beyond just following the law. It took me a while growing up to make the Sabbath a joy. Now the Sabbath is a joy for me. I'm like, I love the Sabbath. It's a wonderful time. I'm grateful to the Sabbath. And no one has to say, well, well, we were at the seminary, and we were having sundown worship one Sabbath afternoon. We had a bunch of our seminary students and their wives, and we were in there, and um, we were singing, and we were doing all kinds of wonderful things. And, and then all of a sudden, we kind of woke up, and it was 9.30, and the sun had gone down at 6.30. And we, oh, oh, we've been... We've been doing, having a wonderful time worshiping our God for three hours. It was a wonderful experience. You see, it had gone beyond, well, the sun is down, so I can now go do something else. No, because God's love of God and being with him was expressed by all of us. We were having a wonderful time. Do you like that? Wasn't that an enjoyable time? I thought so too. So love to God, love to others. People can have it within their hearts, this great love for others. No longer, verse 11, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. And I go, oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. And I'm going, there, there is the heart. There, thank you, thank you. And when I read that text, thank you, God, you will remember. I remember them. Sometimes I just got, oh, my lands, how could I have done that? But then God has promised, I will remember them no more. I will cleanse you, I will forgive you, and they will be gone, and I'm never going to bring it up to you. Hmm, thank you so much. Not like my sister, who sometimes will never let anything die. <laughs> By calling... Becky, if you're listening, that was a joke. Okay. <laughs> by calling the covenant new, by calling the covenant new, he made the first one desolate, obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated and desolate will soon disappear. So remember the Ten Commandments. God gave to them the Ten Commandments. He gave them to them everything. And he gave them Mount Sinai. And all the people gathered around. They made this covenant with the Lord. And their thing is, when he handed out the Ten Commandments, said, this is what I want you to do, they all lined up and said, oh, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Yes, that's no problem. And I'm sure the Lord, listening to this, kind of smiled on his face. Well, well really? You know, really? You think you're going to do that? Good luck. You're going to tough it on through. 
That's why God said it was not, you know, they had problems with it. He, he didn't like that. Why are these promises better? Why are the promises of the new better than the old? What makes that a better covenant to you? What rail elevates that? It's because it comes from the goodness that's in the heart because God has come into your heart. The goodness that flows out, the kindness that flows out to others, the love to God, the goodness and care, where you will not harm your neighbor, your friend, your person down the street. You will not harm, you will do good for them and care for them because it flows out of your heart. If I'm just trying to be honest because I have to follow the law and follow the own, yeah, yeah. I'm driving 45 and a 45 because I know that John Law is sitting down the street with his little radar. And so, does that make me a good law-abiding person? Because I know I don't want to pay? Or is it in my heart, the goodness in my heart, to be good to others? And to be patient. And then I don't have to watch the speedometer all the time. See? Happen. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. Now watch. Here it goes. Here it goes. Because I will be their God and they will be my people. This is the fulfillment of the covenant and the purpose of the gospel. Grab it. This is the fulfillment of the covenant and the purpose of the gospel. He will be my God and I will be his child. That's that's the purpose of what it's about. That's why it's there. That's why it's better. Because it's in my heart. It's not exterior. Not something that goes, it's because it's in there. He made this promise. I will be their God. I will be their God. That's the better promise. And they will be my people. Because he is my God. I become his child. It's the most beautiful thing to think about that promise and that is offered to all of us because it is important through the blood and sacrifice of our Lord and Savior. He brings us that I will be your God and you will be my people. I thank you, Lord, for that incredible promise. Wow. That it's the whole thing, the whole purpose, the thing from Genesis through Revelation, the whole thing of Christ coming, that we may call you our God, that you welcome us forgiveness and take us back, a better covenant because it's in our hearts to love you and to follow you and to treat our fellow men, love to you and love to others. But Lord, because of that, our love for you, you now take us as your children and you protect us and you will guide us and you will save us and that we may always be with you, Lord. That is such a beautiful and wonderful covenant to make. And we eagerly step into that agreement with you by the precious blood of Christ who forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.